20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Happy Saturday. Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks for being here today. We are going to jump in and get started right away. What I wanted to do today was go over the Packers rookies and specifically kind of go through a progress report really from day one of rookie minicamp up until right now, and also sort of go over what my expectations are for this rookie class this upcoming season. There is no two ways about it. This rookie class is going to have a massive impact on this team this upcoming season. There are 15, 15 rookies on the current Packers 53-man roster. There are six rookies on the 17-man practice squad. There are also two rookies on IR. They'll likely get released with injury designations, but no matter, there are 21 total rookies on their 70-man roster, including 53 practice squad and international pathway program exception. That is exactly 30% of the team and 28% of the 53-man roster that is made up of rookies. So no matter what way you want to spin it, yes, some of these players will be more redshirt type players. Others are going to be thrown into the fire right away, but this rookie class will have a massive impact on 2023 and just how good this team can be this upcoming season. So let's kind of go from first round pick to undrafted guys. And we'll go through every single one of these rookies, go over what progress that they've made and what expectations that we have for them or should have for them this upcoming season. And let's start with first round pick Lucas Van Ness. In a lot of ways, kind of the forgotten guy of this draft class. And it's in a really weird fashion because, you know, I think we all had expect- certain expectations for Lucas Van Ness going into, you know, training camp and preseason and hoped that he was going to maybe be an impact player from day one. That hasn't particularly happened. But it's almost like we are so ultra-focused on the Luke Musgraves and the Jaden Reeds, even Carrington Valentine, Carl Brooks, so many of these guys who had really impressive camps. Others like Tucker Craft and Anders Carlson, who are maybe going through a few struggles at the moment, that Lucas Van Ness kind of just gets lost a little bit in the shuffle of everything. I think it's safe to say that if we had to have an overarching feel for Van Ness's from many, you know, progress from mini camp up until now, it's been slightly underwhelming. That being said, I am still incredibly high on the long-term potential for Lucas Van Ness and what I think he's going to ultimately become. He is an incredibly young player. He, you know, was a, he, we can, we're not even going to discuss the like, well, he didn't start at Iowa. He was still like the guy as their edge rusher. So I don't care if he started or not, but he, it's not like he played like seven or 800 snaps per season or anything like that. So he is still very raw as a player. He is as advertised athletically. He is quick. He is sudden. He is fast, explosive, powerful, whatever adjective that you want to put in there to describe Lucas Van Ness, he has it. Like you If you're chiseling a draft prospect at edge rusher out of clay, it's going to look a ton like Lucas Van Ness. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a great pass rusher. There's a lot that goes into that position. You have to learn the nuances of run defense in order to become a better pass rusher because you have to know when it's a run, when it's a pass, how to read that specific situation, read your keys, and then get off a block once you kind of go to you know run defend first and then realize, oh, it's a pass and now I have to somehow beat this guy. You also have to have a pass rush plan that you need to put together. You have to develop a move set. It is more than just, 
I'm big, I'm strong, I'm fast, I go get quarterback. <laughs> it's not quite that simple. There's more to it than that. However, if you want to bet on players to succeed at edge rusher, bet on the high-end athletes. Bet on players like Lucas Van Ness who have that entire tool set at their disposal with the quickness, speed, agility, athleticism, whatever you want to call it. It's all there. It is very clear and evident. The other thing I will say here about LVN is uh, there's a variety of things. One, I think he's better as a run blocker right now or run defender right now than I expected him to be at this point. He's held up well against the run. There hasn't been any major issues. He hasn't been blown off the ball. He looks like a NFL ready run defender. There's there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be issues along the way, but he is far ahead of where I expected to be him to be from that side of things. I think the other thing is there is a, I think, subset of people who are very, like, maybe disappointed or like, oh, it's, you know, he's not turning out. He's not what we expected him to be or whatever. I think pretty quietly, he actually progressed very nicely through the course of OTA's training camp, preseason, etc. This is a player who you could tell, I actually thought he had a really nice OTA mini camp, but when the pads came on, he was thinking through things and he was maybe trying to do a little bit too much, maybe trying to get a little bit too cute. That was the beginning of training camp. By the end of training camp and preseason, he was starting to recognize of like, hey, I do need to develop a moveset, but what do I do best? I'm fast and I'm powerful. Let me convert speed to power. Let me attack players head on. Let me work on my bull rush and let me find a way to get to the quarterback. And then he also started to work in a little bit of like a hesitation move to be able to get inside. And he showed off that explosiveness and athleticism. So I actually thought the progress was good. I'm a little bit less optimistic that you know, maybe than I was earlier in OTAs and minicamps. I think I'd probably said that, hey, I think he's going to have a very big impact on this team this upcoming year. I'm less confident about that at this point. And maybe most mostly because of the edge defenders ahead of him. Preston Smith, we know, is going to play a ton. Rashawn Gary, he's going to be on a pitch, pitch count, but he's going to play a lot. And the longer the season goes on, the more he's going to play. JJ Nigbare has seemingly very much taken a step and is ready to play a more increased role than what he did a season ago. And then you still have Justin Hollins and Brenton Cox as well. So I do expect LVN to probably be ahead of Cox and probably Justin Hollins. I'm not quite as sure on that, at least at the beginning of the season, but I do expect him to play and I do expect him to have some flash plays here and there. But I think we're probably talking closer to maybe 15-ish snaps per game right now for LVN just on defense because of the numbers there and the depth there, I do think we could see him kick inside a little bit, especially now with Jonathan Ford gone. The numbers on the interior are down to five. That's not bad. Like you're only activating five guys on game day anyway, but having an extra guy that can kick inside like LVN, I think is going to be beneficial for this team. And I do expect him to grow as the season goes along. So listen, it may not click this year completely for LVN. If he goes through this year, plays 300 snaps, has a sack and a half with 18 tackles, three tackles for loss, a handful of pressures or whatever, I will not be worried one bit about LVN. I would like it to be more than that. I'd like it to accelerate faster than that. This is a very, very talented player. I have a ton of faith that he is going to find a way to figure it out. And I do not see, like, it's really hard for me to look at him and say, like, there's a a weird, like, there's a way that he can be a bust. Like, he's going to be better than, like, let's just use, like, Nick Perry, as an example, I would be very shocked if he ends up worse than Nick Perry. And Nick Perry, while not worthy probably of the first round pick, had a handful of seasons that, you know, he was very impactful for this team. So 
to me, he's better. He's going to be better than that. He's more agile. He's quicker. He's strong. Like he's just going to be better than that. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. And I think he's going to become more of your, I, I don't want to necessarily even put a label. I was going to say maybe in that, you know, Clay Matthews, Rashawn Gary trajectory, whatever it becomes, I don't know, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get there, have a little bit of patience, but I do fully expect it to come to fruition. I'm just less optimistic that it's going to be in 2023. I think there's still a massive opportunity for him to succeed at a high level. It just might take maybe a little bit longer than I personally was expected going into training camp and preseason. And next up is Luke Musgrave. Let's talk about the negatives first. Run blocking, pass protection, still very much a work in progress. However, however, I would say it's ahead of where I expected it to be. The effort, I and go back and listen to my scouting report when he first got drafted. The thing I loved about Van Ness as a blocker is the effort and the want to was there. And the big thing that was a tell for me there is he was consistently getting to his spot on the field that he needed to get to. He had a level of attention to detail with it, and you could tell that the effort was there. And that is a huge piece of it when you are wanting to become a better blocker at tight end. And I see those exact same things. And like I said, I think he's actually ahead of where I expected him to be, even as a blocker at this point, but that's still going to be a big time work in progress. The other thing is you will see some concentration issues. He had the play in the back of the end zone in training camp, which should have been a back of the end zone touchdown. He didn't recognize where he was. His second feet didn't get in bounds. It ended up out of bounds and it ended up being an incomplete pass rather than a really nice touchdown. There have been some drops that he has had as well. More concentration drops. He's got great hands, so that's just a concentration issue. Those are things. You can tell he's thinking a little bit at times as well. And once the game slows down, I think it's going to be like lookout time. Because even as he's thinking through things and he's, as he's still learning the game, his impact has been incredible. Whether it's drawing defenders and, and safeties in the middle of the field to open up wide receivers on the outside, whether it's on tight end screens, crossing routes, seam routes, it's it's all there. Red zone you know, productivity in training camp was there. Like He has so much at his disposal. The other thing I will say he does stumble a lot. And that was on tape in college as well. But like a lot of times, like he'll catch the ball and he'll start stumbling and he kind of catches himself, but it doesn't allow him quite like as often enough as you'd like to play at that super high end speed. So I'd like to see him work on his balance just a little bit and keeping his feet under him, especially like quite honestly, I think he is like almost too fast for his body. Like you can almost tell at times where like he's starting to accelerate and it's almost like a cartoon where it's like his body's trying to catch up. And it's 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 just interesting to watch, but he needs to work on that just a little bit, but he is going to be an incredibly fun player and Green Bay seems to have found themselves a extremely athletic and extremely talented tight end that's probably going to be a member of the Packers for a very long time to come. All right, next up is Jaden Reed. This is another player that has been beyond advertised. He plays bigger than his size. He knows how to get open and get separation. He's fast. He's a natural returner at both kick returner and punt returner. One of the cleanest punt return catchers I have ever seen in my life. Looks like he was born to do it. And he like he consistently finds ways to make an impact every practice. And it's really impressive. He cares as a blocker. It's not ever going to be pretty because he's a little bit undersized. But this is going to be a player that is going to be your number three wide receiver right alongside Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. I don't think anyone is challenging him for that spot at this point. The one thing he needs to work on is his hands. He had a lot of drops throughout the course of the preseason and training camp. If he can get that under control and continue to grow and get more nuanced as a route runner, look the heck out because he is already impressive and it's only going to get better as he continues to master his craft at wide receiver in the NFL. 
Number three is Tucker Craft. This is the definition of a player who is thinking out on the field. This is just a young player who played at a smaller school who is now making the transition to the NFL and his head is swimming and you can see it out on the field. That said, you can see the size, you can see the upside, you could see things slow down a little bit for, uh, you know, more for him as the season, uh, the preseason went along, but you could tell, still tell he was, he was thinking out there. And that's going to be something that we'll just have to kind of wait and see to see when it starts to click and when the game starts to slow down. No real issues with drops, no issues getting to his spot. There's a couple plays in blocking where he's going the wrong direction or he's just not quite confident in himself yet. He just has that look to him of like a deer in headlights. Some players as rookies, you can see it. It's just, it's blatantly obvious that they are going through the rookie doldrums and trying to figure out, all right, what do I need to do on this play? How do I, and what am I supposed to do? Like you can just tell he's thinking out on the field. And I don't think we're going to get a true evaluation of Tucker until the game does start to slow down until we see him not, you know, thinking quite as much. Then when he just starts playing, then we'll see who the real Tucker Craft is. But he's going to be involved in this offense. I don't think there's any question about that. Probably still as the number two tight end. You know, I know they went out and got Sims at tight end. You know, I know they got, um, you know, Josiah DeGuara still, but I, I think Tucker Craft is going to have a legitimate role in this offense. And now it's going to be up to him just to see what he can do in this rookie year and how we continue to improve throughout the course of this season. Number four, Colby Wooden. And this is a player who, when I first popped on the tape, I liked, I didn't love, but I could see the potential upside. I thought the, the question was going to become, does he live up to some of the flashes that he had on tape in college? Or was it more of like the, uh, you kind of forget about him for you know 30 plays and then he makes one play. And for me, I've seen a consistent effort out of Colby Wooden and that gives me a lot of belief and a lot of faith that he is going to be a better NFL player than he was a college player. He made plays in just about every training camp practice, consistently getting in the backfield. Now, a lot of that was against the number twos and number threes. So he's going to have to show he can do it in NFL games against starting caliber players. But it was consistent. And that's what I really wanted to see from him. And he's got a quick first step. He knows how to knife his way into the backfield, make tackles for loss, get pressures, get sacks. And I think that's going to carry over. And it might take a little bit where, like I said, as he starts going against starters to figure out that plan of attack and, and how to do it consistently. But when the effort's there, Colby Wooden's been a player that he's been able to win at every level of college. He's shown in the preseason, shown in training camp, joint practices, et cetera. And I do think that this is going to be a player that continues that trend as he becomes a real rotational player in the NFL. I'm excited about Colby Wooden and we'll talk about Carl Brooks as well with him in just a moment. But those two have been really impressive as day three picks on the defensive line. And especially now, with Jonathan Ford gone, like I said, five guys. We know Clark and Slayton are going to be your one and two. Wyatt's had a little bit of a you know, slower camp, but he's going to be number three. But Matt LaFleur has been adamant that Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden are going to have big roles in this defense along the defensive line. And I expect that to go okay. I don't think that's going to be a negative. I think that's going to be a positive. Next up is Sean Clifford from you know, quarterback who is much maligned of like, oh, this guy wasn't even supposed to be drafted. He was a priority free agent at best. Nobody had a draftable grade on him to the Packers overdrafting him in the fifth round to now being the unquestioned backup quarterback in Green Bay with some people calling for him to be the starter, which is not going to be the case. Sorry to break it to anyone who believes that. He's a really fun quarterback and better than I think pretty much anyone expected him to be. 
And I think the the thing that when I threw on the tape with Sean Clifford right away is you could see the intangibles. We knew, first of all, that he was a longtime team captain, both in high school and in college. We knew he had great mobility, which is a plus, especially as you're coming off the bench and you know maybe trying to make some things happen with your legs and just kind of a prerequisite now in the NFL, to be totally honest. We knew that he spun a pretty nice ball. We knew he had a lot of experience at Penn State. And I looked at him and I did, I couldn't find a way why he wouldn't be draftable, to be quite honest. Now, I had a seventh, late seventh round grade on, on him, whatever. I'm not saying that I thought he was going to be a fifth rounder. I'm not saying that I thought that he was going to be this good this quickly, but I definitely thought he was a draftable player. And I think he's been not only as advertised, but well above as advertised. And you can tell he has moxie. He has want to. His two-minute drills were awesome. Like he consistently put two minute drills together to get his team in scoring position. And more often than not, either get a field goal or a touchdown out of it. The very last play of training camp 2023 was him driving the team down his, his group down the field and and scoring a touchdown and, and getting the two point conversion for the win. He's just, he's a gamer. There's no more to say about it. And he's like exactly what you want as your backup quarterback. Just that guy that's going to say, screw it. I don't care that I wasn't supposed to start this game. We're down by six and it's the third quarter and Jordan's done for the day. I got to find a way to lead us to victory. All right. I got it. No worries. We'll do this. And he just has that moxie and attitude. And I think that's a huge part of who he is. I think it's like it said, perfect backup quarterback option. So really, really nice start for him. I don't think it becomes anything crazy. I don't think he probably is a long-term starter in the NFL or anything like that. But I do think that this is a guy who could play 15 years as a backup and maybe even a really good backup. And he looks the part already. And I, you know, if Jordan goes down, you certainly wouldn't want it for any period of time, but you certainly feel a lot more comfortable right now with Sean Clifford going in and at least gaming it up for a few games than, you know, you knew going into training camp where you're like, I don't think this team has any prayer if they have, if they, if Jordan goes down. So he's been a really nice revelation and has had a really nice training camp in preseason. Number five is Dontavian Wicks, who is tougher to really gauge simply because he missed so much time in training camp. He's out right now with an injury, didn't get to play a ton in the preseason, had a couple really nice routes that he just made people look silly in one-on-ones and team drills. But we just haven't seen the full body of work. One of the very first days of camp, they lined him up at H-back and he had a block against Rudy Ford that sprung a huge run. And that's going to get you some playing time if you can continue to do those sort of things. Like I said, there's times where he has some routes and movement skills that are, take this extremely carefully, but that make him like move sometimes kind of like Devontae Adams moved at the line of scrimmage and how he worked his way open. He's not Devontae Adams. Don't get overexcited, but he has some of that unique movement skill to him. So he's a really fun player. I'm really interested to see more of him and see how he factors in this upcoming season. Tough to say what type of impact he'll have, especially as he's hurt right now, but he's a, he's a fun player with legitimate upside. And I just, at this point, just kind of want to see more of him. Number six, Carl Brooks, one of my absolute favorite players in this draft. Even if Green Bay didn't select him, he would have been one of my favorite players in this draft. We talked about him all the time. Bowling Green moved him all over the place, just got in the backfield over and over and over and over. You know what he did in training camp? Got in the backfield over and over and over and over. You know what he did in preseason? Got in the backfield over and over and over and over. He's just a really fun player. And he just has that nose of finding a way to get into the backfield. That's just it. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He just finds a way to get into the backfield and cause havoc and cause chaos. That's Carl Brooks. Call him Carl Havoc. For those of you who get that joke, you're welcome. Uh, but 
that is who he is. He's a he's a really fun player. I think he has starting caliber upside to him. I really, really do. It will not. It will be more surprising to me right now if a few years from now we look back and say, "Man, Carl Brooks just never put it together." Then, if you told me he's going to be a starter at defensive end, it easily should be in his future if he continues the the progress where he's at. He just he's good. Like there's he's always been good, and now he's showing it on the NFL level as well, and that's really really exciting. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Next is Anders Carlson. Whew, what a roller coaster ride. Whatever you want to make of him, you're going to make him of. If you are a half glass half full sort of person, hey, he's kicked great at Lambeau and in, in big time situations, he's kicked really well. If you're a glass half empty, whew, it has been rough at times. And I don't know what the end result was in training camp and preseason, et cetera, but it's probably close in that 60% range of, of made kicks. I, I, I don't know. It, it certainly wasn't good enough, but at the same time, you also saw some upside there where you're like, all right, I get it. I understand why they're having some patience with him. Huge leg. When he hits it, he hits it clean and it is crushed. When he doesn't, he's hit some of the ugliest kicks that I have seen from knucklers that have gone left to one that got knocked down by the wind and like 15 yards short from like 38 yards out or whatever it was. So there've been some weird things, but I'm hopeful that maybe now with just one long snapper, one holder, and Carlson working together, that maybe they'll be a little bit more fluid and clean in their process, and that will result in better results for Anders Carlson. Number seven, Carrington Valentine. I mentioned this yesterday, but if Valentine didn't have the bad second preseason game, he probably would have been my MVP of the entirety of training camp. That's how good he was. Now, that's based on a lot of the plays that he made, interceptions, pick sixes, and those sort of things, and also just being pretty sticky in coverage. That's not saying he's going to be a Hall of Fame player or like a starter or anything like that. He has a long ways to go with his technique and how he's you know, ultimately going to cover in the NFL. But for a seventh round pick to now be the number four defense or number four corner behind Nixon and Razul and Jair, and we'll see what happens when Eric Stokes comes back. They have a lot of faith in him. And you can understand why. He is a really fun football player that has a nose for the football, who knows how to find you know takeaways and might give up a play here or there, but he has that cornerback mentality and he's not going to give up. He's going to battle you every single down. And if he does get beat, he's going to battle even harder on the next down. So 
I really like him as a corner. I think he has a lot of upside and probably, you know, he's just going to be corner four to begin with, but he's your dime corner as of now. And I don't know that even when Stokes comes back, I think you still got to find a way to get Valentine out on the field. That'll be one to keep an eye on. Number seven, Lou Nichols, probably by far the, the biggest disappointment of any of the draft picks. Now he's a middle seventh round pick. It doesn't really matter at all. At that point, you're, it's basically picking names out of a hat, but I mentioned early, early on that I thought Emmanuel Wilson, the undrafted guy, looked like the drafted guy and that Lou Nichols, the drafted guy, looked like the undrafted guy. Just the hands were stone hands and he didn't have anything dynamic to his game. Had a couple nice runs inside. I just didn't see anything there that screamed NFL caliber running back. And I don't mean to pile on and add insult to injury because he's hurt and he's cut and he's not going to be on the team, but it just didn't work out. And that's okay. I hope he lands on his feet. Hope he gets better. And maybe he's end, you know, ends up back in the Packers practice squad someday. We'll see. But uh, just didn't see it. And now he's on IR and will probably get released with an injury settlement. Next is Anthony Johnson Jr. Was really hopeful for him after watching his draft tape that this could be a player who maybe even was starting by week one. He did make the team. So that's a great start. I do think he showed progress through the course of the preseason. I don't think he's ready to be a starter yet. I will say, if I had to guess... I think there's going to become a point that this season, whether it's due to the Packers record or to the, you know, just due to the play of poor safety play, that at some point Anthony Johnson Jr. gets his chance to start this upcoming year. Maybe it's just due to injuries, but I would be surprised if Johnson doesn't get involved in the rotation more at some point this year, just because if nothing else, they just don't have very good safeties. And if you're going to be bad at safety, at least be bad at safety with a guy who is a rookie and is growing and hopefully can become a good safety rather than veterans who you know who they are and they're probably done improving at this point. So an interesting player probably has an impact on special teams if he can get active on game day. And at some point this year would not shock me if he ended up starting just basically by default. Grant Dubose, so far behind the eight ball with the injuries out of OTAs, mini camps, start of training camp, family night, first couple or first preseason game, and then finally got involved. I thought the second preseason game was pretty nice for him. He made some pretty impressive catches in practice over the middle of the field. I think he just needed a little bit more time and I can understand why they wanted to just get him back in the practice squad, which is what they were able to do. He was clearly wide receiver seven and it was, did they want to keep seven wide receivers or do they just want to try to sneak him on the practice squad? They chose the latter. They were right in doing so because guess what? He is back on the practice squad. All right. Undrafted free agents, Malik Heath, We'll start with him. He's wide receiver four at the moment. I think he's going to have a legitimate role within this offense. He's the goon. He's the possession wide receiver. He's going to do the dirty work. He's a great blocker. He's going to be the guy that probably goes over the middle of the field and takes those big hits from the safeties and linebackers. They didn't have that guy. Watson, deep guy, playmaker. Romeo Dobbs, more of your overall wide receiver can do a little bit of everything. Jaden Reed's your slot guy. Luke Musgrave's your big wide receiver as a tight end. And then you needed that possession guy, that just dirty work guy. Malik Heath is that. They didn't have that flavor of wide receiver on the roster. He brings something different and unique. And like I said, he is going to be wide receiver for what a find he was by Brian Gutekunst and company. Emmanuel Wilson, there's not many guys his size that can run with power, vision, and have the somehow breakaway speed and speed to get around the corner like he does. He's a very unique player. And what really stood out to me was that final preseason game when he got asked to do that blitz pickup in the double A gap and he picks it up with ease. And that was what was really impressive. He's not a great receiver, but his hands are okay. It's not like he's, you know, dropping passes or anything like that. 
But I think overall, he was just too good to let go of. And I think they were wise to hang on to him and just see what he's ultimately capable of through the course of the season. But what a what an incredible find. I think if you would have said at the beginning, really of OTAs and minicamps of like what undrafted free agents have a chance, when you looked at that depth chart, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Lou Nichols being a draft pick, Patrick Taylor being their do-it-all guy, Tyler Goodson, who we all know and love. And it was really Emmanuel Wilson after that sort of jump so many of those guys to get on the roster is really a testament to Wilson. And then Brenton Cox, who would have been a draftable player if it weren't for some off-field issues and getting kicked out of multiple programs. But he's kept his hands clean and he has done a really nice job on the field. And now Green Bay basically got themselves what I think probably would have been around a fourth round pick for free as long as he stays out of trouble. And there's been no signs of anything or no issues so far with Brenton Cox whatsoever. He has seemingly dedicated himself to the game of football and that's what he's focused on. And if Brenton Cox is focused on football, you found yourself a heck of a football player for free on the undrafted free agent scrap heap. So nice job again by Brian Gudikins and company. He probably starts as the sixth edge rusher, probably not active on game days, probably more of a red shirt to begin with, unless there's some injuries, but a lot of talent there, a lot of upside and a smart keep for Brian Gudikins and company. Undrafted free agent who they claimed who is now on the active roster as well, Ben Sims. More going to be a wait and see. As I mentioned uh, when they picked him up, this is a player I liked coming out of college. He was a top 30 visit for Green Bay. I think he showed enough run blocking and pass protection upside with some receiving chops as well. I think he's going to have a role on this team. I really do. I think he's going to be a special teamer. And it wouldn't shock me if he, you know, well, he's going to be tight end three because I think DeGuara is going to go more back to that fullback H-back role now with three tight ends on the roster. And it wouldn't shock me if he started to get some of the Tucker Craft snaps as well as time goes on, just because I think he's a little bit better blocker right now than what Tucker Craft might be. So we'll see. Don't quote me on it, but I like the pickup and he is another rookie on their active roster. You've then got International Pathway Program, Kenneth Odomegwu. He Talk about thinking on the field. He is spinning on the field. But what you get out of Kenneth is an additional player on your scout team who is big, fast, physical, and you know, really unique for his size. He just has to learn the game and probably amounts to nothing long term, but you don't, you know, you're never gonna, you know, say no to an additional practice player. Those guys are actually really valuable, especially as you put your scout team together and those sort of things. Just having extra guys out there, especially through the course of the season, when guys start to get injured. I mean, they've already got practice squad guys hurt. Henry Pearson's on the practice squad. He's hurt. Like you just want some bodies out there to be able to go through and do team drills and and scout team and all those sort of things. So having that extra guy is going to be important. That's probably all he amounts to, but I'll never limit him and hopefully he finds his way and would be a really, really cool story if he ever did find his way onto the actual roster. Henry Pearson, practice squad, fullback, thought, you know, maybe he had an outside chance at the actual roster. I know Justice was really high on him and and thinking he might have a chance. I think the knee injury probably poo-pooed any of that idea, but they bring him back in the practice squad. He's out right now, but he's a unique player, good on special teams and the best fullback on the roster. No disrespect to Josiah DeGuara. DeGuara can do a little bit of everything, but if you're just talking pure fullback, it's Henry Pearson. He came out of nowhere to be a legitimate player um, that could have a role sometime when, if and when he does ultimately get healthy. Keyshawn Banks, fun edge rusher. Don't think there's quite the upside there, but if at some point this year, he has to be your fifth edge rusher that plays eight snaps a game, you're not hating it either. So a little bit of developmental upside there, but probably just a practice squad guy. Benny Sapp really played better as the entire preseason went along. I do think he has some special teams upside. And at the same time, I also think 
he got better at safety and he made some really fun plays on tape, including the game ceiling interception in the last game. So really happy to see him back on the practice squad. Kadeem Telford is like a C minus Caleb Jones or like a C minus Yash Nyman. You can tell that there is some really nice size and strength there. The footwork is a work in progress. The technique is a huge work in progress, but you look at him and you're like, all right, I can see some developmental upside there and see that he could potentially become maybe a swing tackle at some point if things go right. But I think he's a worse version of some of the guys they've done this with in the past. Probably has a, you know some hard work to do ahead of him if he wants to make that impact, but I like bringing him back on the practice squad. And then finally, you have Broughton Hatcher, the long snapper who is on IR. He will likely get released with an injury designation and that will likely do it for Broughton Hatcher. But those are your rookies currently on the roster their progress report, expectations for this season, and hopefully a full breakdown of where this rookie class is at right now. That is going to do it for me today. Hope you you enjoyed this episode. I'll always be right back here tomorrow, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! (music) 